whenever you want to generate wealth, like even buying a house, you got to put down money before you see that money back. You know, you're paying off a mortgage before it's yours. And whenever we are building wealth in any way, we need to release money. And this is part of the flow of money. We need to be able to release money for money to be able to come back to us. But if we're just hoarding hoarding it away and just holding it and not allowing any of it to move, then we can't build anything. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm Chelsea Reif, your host, and I'm also a writer and podcast strategist who helps people launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word authority, I tense up a little bit, especially as an Aquarius sun. I do not like being told what to do. As soon as I hear the word authority or rules or you should, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. So it was interesting that my mind changed today when we had Haley Lloyd on the show. Haley is a business and mindset coach specializing in guiding service-based owners to become feminine authorities online and scale to multiple six and seven figures. She's gone from corporate hustler and lead designer at some of the top tech companies in the world to a seven-figure coach in just the span of three years. She credits her quantum growth to her unique way of viewing authority building, and now she's dedicated to spreading this movement across the world. If you Google authority, it says the confidence resulting from personal expertise. And the other one is a person with extensive or specialized knowledge about a subject, aka an expert. Ironically, this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. And I feel like it allows me to bring on experts and show us their expert opinion like we did today with Haley. Okay, wait. Before we dive in, I want to announce a super special giveaway for the month of November, which is winning my Pitching Like a Guest Masterclass. This is one of my most popular masterclasses because it's the way that I drive my own sales and conversions. I used to work in influencer and content marketing for six years, and my entire job was pitching. So I'm taking all the skills I learned from that job, as well as my past three years in podcast strategy and consulting, and I am teaching you in this workshop how to land yourself as a guest on other podcasts. When people ask how I've signed high ticket clients and been able to grow my podcast business so quickly, it's because of the authority that I've built on other podcasts. So if this is a skill you want to learn, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, go to my podcast in my non-expert opinion, scroll down and then write a review. After you write that review, be sure to screenshot it and then hit submit and send it to info at chelseareich.com. At the end of the month, I'll pull a winner and send you this class completely free where you can learn how to pitch yourself as a guest on other podcasts. Okay, now let's get into the show with Haley. I reinvested all of that money back into the business and I still think that that was absolutely the right move to do because what that allows you to do is grow so much faster. I was reinvesting in knowledge gaps. I was reinvesting in areas where I wanted to be expanded energetically and I was reinvesting in team as well. So I'm the kind of person that I really, really want to have support around me when I'm building. And so many people don't like to hire that kind of support. But for me, it was just like a a non-negotiable. I have a full-time job. I'm going to need support if I want this to grow and if I want this to take over my main salary. So I ended up doing that. And because I also had to stay at the full-time job that I was in in order to get permanent residency, leaving was never an option for me. And so it did mean like there was a lot of mental battle, I will say, in that period of time. Like it was it was a very, very difficult period. And there was a lot of self-coaching that I needed to do to maintain both of those things. But it did allow me to create the safety net. So by the time I did leave, I had money in the bank. I had moved my business over to Australia by this point. So I was receiving money 
And then it became, it did become then about handling money. So I, I guess I, I had more time to work out how to handle the money without having the chance to spend any of it on myself, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. I think that is the way to do business. Like you just said, you you saw the future of your business and you were like, I know I'm going to need that support. Like you said, with team, with software, whatever it is. And I think something that not a lot of people talk about is keeping your full-time job while you are building a business to create some type of stability and safety. It sounds like you were really smart about that. I quit my job. I moved to Australia, the pandemic hit, and then I was basically scooping gelato, cleaning houses and babysitting to try to make rent. And so I was very much in the like deep end of the ocean, you know, two cinder blocks on my feet, drowning, being like, you have to make your business work. And I think that's why it created a lot of scarcity and like the feast and famine roller coaster, because I didn't start from a place of stability, which I think the way you did it is a lot smarter of like, I'm going to use this paycheck to keep me stable. And then I will use the extra resources to grow and support myself. I have two questions from what you said, actually. You mentioned you didn't pay yourself and you didn't take a salary. I feel like new business owners don't understand what this means because it sounds like you're saying I literally lived off of zero dollars, right? Like I don't have an income. Can you walk us through what that means? It basically meant that from the money that I made from the business, I didn't pay myself, but I was still working a full-time job. So I was still receiving a salary from my full-time job. So money was coming to me from that way. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. So this is what I'm saying. When you guys are building your businesses, I think it's dreamy, right? You see everyone like, quit your job, just start your own online business. And I think there's something to be said about lighting a fire under your ass and getting, you know, getting going. But I also think there's a really smart tactic, which it sounds like was a huge factor of your success in keeping yourself afloat and knowing how to reinvest that money. Well, I'm going to say something like edgy on that topic. Oh, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I have yet to see someone in true abundance that's built their business from scarcity. And and so what I mean by that is the people It's very, very hard to build a business when you have no safety because money is unfortunately we live in a capitalistic society like it is just it is just what it is. We've got to roll the punches, you know, so money is a resource that we need. And so to put put ourselves in a situation where then we don't have access to that, you are going to, there's no amount of mindset work that you can do to get yourself out of scarcity because it's literally like, I'm not going to be able to pay rent. And so although I fully understand people wanting to go all in and not wanting to deal with like the back and forth of like, you know, having two things, as you're kind of saying, it does lead to that scarcity. And I really haven't met that many people that it's just been this really straightforward, smooth sailing way when they have left their full-time jobs or part-time jobs too early. And I think that is the thing where no amount of abundance can be built from that place when you're experiencing, like, am I going to be able to pay rent? And so if anyone is balancing two things and is considering like leaving, just, just take a breath just like take a moment and just be like, what do I really value? What do I really value? Because for me, safety is really important. And so although it was really hard, and I I won't lie and say that it it was easy balancing two things when I didn't want to be there, but it was also so necessary for the business to grow and for it to be abundant. Like I've never really dipped into scarcity ever. I've never put pressure on the business to perform. I've never been like, 
this month I have to sign this amount of clients because I've never been in that position where I've had to do that because I've always had another salary. But the people that leave too early, that is exactly what happens. And it puts too much pressure on the business. And often that's when the businesses fail. And that's kind of like, or, or have to massively scale back or, or something that happens. So it's kind of like an edgy way. I know it's like a, everyone wants to like go full time, but people can hold out a little bit longer. I honestly think it's like so smart. It, it really is. I mean, to your point, when I launched from that place of putting pressure on myself and scarcity, what happened was when two, I basically sold out my launch double of what I thought was going to happen. And then right after that, I signed two high ticket clients that paid in full. And I freaked out. I was like, Oh, my God, what is happening? Like, this isn't real. This is only getting bigger. I felt fraudulent. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And what happened is I actually kind of like shut down my business for three or four months. Like you said, I had this mental breakdown. And I was like, I need to figure this shit out because I feel like this is going to grow to be a monster that I can't control. And I feel truly unsafe doing that. And fortunately, I was living with my boyfriend at the time during the pandemic, like we weren't doing anything, right? So my cost of living was really low and I could afford to do that. But I genuinely was like, I have to close the doors of my business right now. Like, I don't know how to handle this. So I agree that putting that pressure on my business also caused me to resent it, right? I was I was like not excited about it anymore. I was scared of it. I was like scared of my own business. And that was never the point to go into my own business. So I 100% agree with you. Mm, totally. Yeah. The fear, the fear is really real that can come up when you are scaling a business because it's, there's so many unknowns as well. Like there's so much pressure that you got on yourself that, you know, can be put on from other people, especially if you're supporting a family as well. And so any support that we can give ourselves in that period, just to like maintain the sanity, you know, <laughs> like I know that you speak so much about like emotional roller coasters on here and the mindset bullshit that comes with entrepreneurship. The biggest one is scarcity. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh-huh. Get yourself a therapist, get a mindset coach, <laughs> get anything you can because you're going to need it. I, I truly am like, that should be right next to a coach you have. You should have a therapist too. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's like a non-negotiable. <laughs> it really is. It has to be included in your budget or else you will fall off the roller coaster. I want to talk a little bit about how you knew to reinvest your money, because there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast that I have helped and have DM me saying I want to grow to the next level, whether that's with my podcast or my business, but I just don't feel like it's the time to, for example, hire an editor or get a producer or hire a virtual assistant. $500 a month for the virtual assistant just seems like unnecessary right now based on my business. Where did you get the knowledge to reinvest? And can you share what happened when you essentially put the 40K back into your business? That's a really good question and one I've not been asked before, actually. I think I knew to reinvest it, honestly, from observing other people reinvest. This was not a pattern that I had in my household. So I can only really assume that it came from reading books and potentially witnessing like an ex-boyfriend's dad, who was a very large business owner at the time, him just reinvesting everything. And I remember them talking about at the time how he had very low cash, but like a huge amount of like equity and things. And it, you know, because he, he was always reinvesting it. And they often, even though they had so much money, they often didn't have any money because it was always in other investments, working for them, working harder and making more money and making more money. And, you know, my partner at the time was 
in spread betting as well. So it's all about spread betting and trading. It's all about basically putting your money into something that you can't see the return on yet. So I guess I was exposed to a lot of those kinds of conversations. So I knew what would happen if you put something into like something that is going to generate more wealth, because there is a very real thing that happens for people called loss aversion. And loss aversion basically is when a human being would prefer not to lose $5 than to gain $5 in like two months time. And so they would prefer, yeah, <laughs> so this is often what happens, right? And this is this is what can keep people in a place of not making a lot of wealth because people don't have the same mindset that like the wealthiest people in the world have, which is if I invest my money here, it's going to grow over a period of like four years. Most people are too impatient and they're like, you know, I just, I just want to have the money now. I want to have the safety. But I guess maybe because I had that exposure now that I'm talking about it and I could see that happening. I knew that if I invested my money here, I could make more back. And I, I always trusted myself enough. Like I trusted that I could make it work. And so I did actually start a business, a coaching business, seven years prior to setting up this one, which completely flopped. And I invested like, I think it was like 5K into a coaching program, used my parents' money, never told them, went into debt, all of that kind of stuff. And But I learned so much from doing that and then went back into corporate and Know, had my another four years in corporate but until I set up this business. But I think when I got into business, I was like, I know there are two things that are going to stop me from scaling this business. Number one is knowledge gaps. Like if I, I just don't know what I don't know. And so the first thing that I I needed was I needed someone to tell me like, you've already done this. Give me your map. I needed a shortcut because although I had all of this knowledge, I've got the knowledge and the marketing understanding for large corporations or very small like product-based businesses So and design. So anything out of that realm, I was like, I just have a knowledge gap. So I could keep on throwing spaghetti at the wall, but it's going to take me 10 times longer versus if someone just quickly teaches me this, I invest this money here and I just trust myself that I'm going to then put in the work to make the money back. So if I invest 5K, I know that over a year I could get 50K back. And so my, my mind is always thinking like that. And the other area that was not knowledge gap was then healing. I was just like, the other thing that's going to stop me is I am going to be sabotaging myself if I don't get out of my own way and actually get through these mindset blocks. So that was another form of investing that I needed to do because the perfectionism, the people pleaser, the, the trauma that I had was just holding me and my money mindset hostage and we couldn't move forward. And so it really just became one of those things where I was like, if I want to move this forward, I know the only way that I can do this quickly is if I learn from other people and if I heal myself. And I, this is where, especially with service-based businesses, we are the product, you know, a product-based business. It, you need to invest like 500K to get the product made. You need investors, you know, and that's just a given. And then you spend the next five years like breaking even. But with us, we, people come online and they're like, you know, well, we, we can start making money straight away that 10k like oh that's 10k profits like no that 10k is 10k for you to build your business and that's how we should be seeing investing for the first like two to five years in all honesty is like what like even now I'm investing about reinvesting about 70% of what I earn in my business back into the business to grow it and that's smart like that's just good business owning and even my partner has like a he owns a product-based business where he sells sustainable surfboards they had to get 500k just to get the product made before they had anything. And then now they've been bought and they've you know, gone into something different. But the point of that is the service providing business owning is one of the only industries in business where you don't have to invest upfront. 
Okay, so you are super business savvy, and it makes sense why you crossed the $1.2 million sales milestone, because you just understood this is not play money. And I think it's so good that you brought up the example of product-based businesses. I always tell people this too, when you look at like a software company that gets, for example, Descript, a lot of my clients use Descript for podcast editing. They got a $50 million investment. That does not mean they're going on a $50 million shopping spree and like buying new cars. What they're doing is spending all that money on teams, on improvements, on backend developers, on marketing, on advertising, so that they can not only double that 50 million, but probably triple it because investors are not giving them money out of the goodness of their heart. They want the business to grow as quickly as possible to put more money back into the business. So like, that's the mindset you had, which again, it makes sense that you got to where you are. I think that's so savvy. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's the same as how Facebook ads works, you know, like Facebook ads, you need to invest in the Facebook ads before you see the return of Facebook ads. And so it's like, whenever you want to generate wealth, like even buying a house, you got to put down money before you see that money back. You know, you're paying off a mortgage before it's yours. And whenever we are building wealth in any way, we need to release money. And this is part of the flow of money. We need to be able to release money for money to be able to come back to us. But if we're just hoarding hoarding it away and holding it and not allowing any of it to move, then we can't build anything. And this is what I think traps so many people is They don't see investments that aren't like a physical thing. So, for example, a a product or a house as a valuable investment. They say, well, I don't want to invest in myself. And it's like, but you are the product. Like you can't build. If you're the one marketing it and you don't know how to market, how are you going to how are you going to build your business? You can't like you're just going to throw spaghetti at the wall. So just because it's like knowledge is like the highest return on investment, the highest ROI that we can possibly get. But because it's not something you can tangibly see, people don't understand that. Right. And I think until you make your first kind of big investment and see where it takes you, you won't understand it and understand the value of your time. Right. I think all of us, especially in the beginning, we want to do everything and we do do everything. And then we're like, okay, it actually maybe just makes sense to hire someone that can do this for me and then just set it up once and be done with it. So I never have to touch it again or learn it myself. I didn't realize that until like two years in that I actually don't have to do everything in my business. There are people that love to do what I hate to do. And that's when you should invest in people. So I always think that's important to say too that you don't have to learn everything yourself. Like you really shouldn't try to learn everything yourself. Something that I also want to talk about with investments is quote unquote bad investments. You mentioned you used $5,000 of your parents' money without them knowing. First of all, how how do they not know that you took (laughs) $5,000? I think they gifted me money and like for Christmas and stuff. And I just spent it and said that I didn't. (laughs) Okay. Love that. A a Christmas slash birthday gift going to coaching. I've done that as well. And then, (laughs) and you mentioned it maybe didn't go where you thought. And I think that's a lot of people's fear is like this $5,000 is going to put me in a really like a dark place and I'm not going to be able to get out. Can you just walk us through how you started to trust yourself again after maybe a quote unquote like flop investment? Yeah, I never see investments as a flop. And I think that is maybe something that serves me quite well. So even though that one didn't turn out the way that it did for other people, I still learned a huge amount from that investment. And I think that's a really important thing to note is like, whenever you make an investment, and I have made some bad, some even worse investment decisions than that, but they've all taught me something. 
And so I think people get like trapped by them when they make it mean something about them. And they're like, oh, I made that. That was a bad decision for me. I'm bad at deciding where my money goes and look at what I've created now instead of, oh, that's so interesting. I've learned all of these things. I wonder what I'll learn on the next one. You know, it's a, it's a very different like frame of mind. And so I also was in a situation where I knew that I could have another source of income. I was still a designer. I could still do contract work. I could still build up revenue and income for myself during that and using that route. And so again, I wasn't fully dependent on that business program making me money. You know, the expectation wasn't, I want this to make me money. This expectation, the expectation of the program was this program is going to teach me something. And I think that's the other thing is if people come in thinking this program, this coach is going to be the solution to all of my problems and it's going to make me all of this money instead of being like, this program is going to teach me the skills that I need to make. And then it's still my responsibility to do it. It's a very different energy to enter into a container with. And I think I had that, like, I didn't make it mean something about me. I wasn't like, oh, I'm bad with investment. I was just like, okay, I wasn't ready at that time, but I learned a huge amount. I have all of this knowledge now. So if I ever want to do it again, I can. And I think that's how I didn't stay in victim with it was I didn't make it mean something about myself. Oh, I love that because I think you also just brought a good point about ROI does not always need to be financial. I think there's this, you know, message that if you invest 5,000, you better either make that back or double it or triple it, whatever the case is, right? You need to somehow make it back instead of look at something like a birth chart reading. A lot of us have had readings like that that have changed the trajectory of our lives, right? We get a reading and we're like, holy shit, I feel so seen. I can't believe this. Like now I really understand my gifts. You don't get a birth chart reading for what, maybe like $150 and then be like, okay, and now next week and then or in the next month, I need to make the 150 back. It's like, no, that $150 just changed the trajectory of my life because of the knowledge I have now. So I'm glad you brought that up, that it's not always a financial like bottom line. Exactly. But long term, if you see it like that, it usually ends up being because knowledge is like knowledge is king. You know, if you can teach yourself how to market and how to sell, you never lose that skill. That's a skill that you get to keep forever. It's not like a car that depreciates in value. It goes up in value. And so, yeah, they may take you a little bit longer. Like, you know, this this is where we want to remove the time frames around like, oh, I need to be able to see the return on investment in three months. Like, just stretch it. Give yourself three years, you know. In three years, I'm going to make that money back, you know, and it just takes off the pressure. I'm learning a skill. I'm going to implement the skill. And then the money comes like I, I really does. But it's just like the pressure is what suffocates the, the business, in my opinion. Oh, yes. And the implementation is so key. I'm so happy you brought that up because I remember back in the day when I was doing a lot of investing, I had that magical thinking that just because I logged into the Zoom room, I would be like a millionaire, right? Like, oh, I signed up for this program. She's a millionaire. She's a money mindset coach. I'm going to do two modules. And just by simply like watching them, I'm going to quantum leap to the other side of this milestone I'm looking at. When in reality, it was like the very first exercise, I think was like, write down your bank balance every single day just to get accustomed to opening your bank. And I was like, oh, that's the work. Like, that's so silly. I thought we we're going to do something bigger. And I'm like, well, that was the whole point is like, you can't even open your bank account, Chelsea. How are you going to become a millionaire if you don't even know where your money is? And that's when I learned way down the line that just because you sign up for a program and are in proximity to someone does not automatically entitle you to have the same success. Like you do have to put in the work. 
Oh, that is a mic drop fucking moment right there. <laughs> that is a mic drop moment. Don't know whether you're allowed to swear on here, but I just did. Feel oh free yeah, to you, that can. Out. <laughs> you can but, say whatever you want. <laughs> whoa, I have so much to say on paying to be in proximity, but I won't go into too much detail, but I completely agree. And I think it's that thing where, and, and I get it because I've done this before myself, you know, in some instances I've hired a coach and been like, oh, just by understanding like, just by being in that proximity, it's going to make me more money. But it wasn't actually that. The one thing that did happen was it stretched my understanding of what was possible in my mind. You know, it's like the, uh, what's the guy, <laughs> the Richard Bannister effect where, have you heard of this? Am I just going to be repeating? No, no, I haven't heard of this. Okay, maybe it's Robert Bannister. But there is the Robert Bannister effect is he was like a, an athlete who was trying to run the mile in under a minute, I think it was, or oh my god someone needs to go and like google exactly what this was but basically no one had ever done it like doctors had even advised like don't do this this will like really harm your health to be able to do this Robert Bannister basically started visualizing over and over and over again this thing and he ended up breaking the record for the fastest mile and then after that because loads of people saw that it was possible over the next like year so many people started breaking it as well and it's because people had their brains stretched of what is possible. Oh, I suddenly believe that I can do this too. If he can do it, so can I. You know, that's why getting in the proximity of like understanding someone's mindset is important. But that doesn't mean that just because you're in the proximity of someone, it's going to just magically everything's going to happen. There's still aligned action that needs to happen. And some of that aligned action is really boring, <laughs> you know, like checking your bank account or doing the posts. Like that's the aligned action that has to come with the activation and the energetic expansion that you may get from being in the proximity of that kind of money. A hundred percent. And yes, it is boring. I just went through this whole period in the last two months where we had to do a lot of backend stuff. And my business operations person was like, Chelsea, I know you, you like novelty, you like excitement, but like the next few months are going to be boring, right? Like we just need to get this done. You need to make the transcript. You need to upload that. You need to film this video. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I want to be podcasting and creating and da da da. And it's just like, no, we're gonna have to look through all these things and review and approve. And that's part of entrepreneurship is there are very boring, annoying, shitty things that you have to do. But there's, it's so worth the payoff when you're done with it. And you're like, wow, look at what I built. Like, look at this creation. Oh, my God, 100%. I mean, even at the moment, we're in I always have a long-term vision for my business. I don't know about you, Chelsea, but I'm always like, where am I going? You know, where am I going in like two years? And I'm always planning for that. And so I'm in a period right now where I'm creating a load of programs to create this larger membership. And we're, we're creating all of the, I've done loads of trainings and all of these different entry points, but I need to create funnels behind all of them. And that stuff just takes time. And, you know, I'm it's just the grind. It's just the grind of creating the programs that need to be there. It's the grind of creating the funnels, you know, it's just, it's not particularly fun. Like, do I enjoy those parts? Like I could probably enjoy other things more, but it's a part that needs to get done. And, you know, part of my business is marketing. So I need to write them, you know, it's my energy that needs to be in the emails and that's important for me. And so it's just, yeah, some parts of business aren't all the glam, you know, but it allows those periods of like working on the business allow the growth to happen. Because otherwise people get so stuck in that like short term vision of like, oh, I'm, I'm operating from month to month. And then, you know, you can get the mindset spins around. I'm not making as much this month as I am next month, you know, and it, it can become kind of that dynamic. But when you actually look to long term vision, 
and you like come out of month to month, you actually are, are working to something so much greater and you're building something so much bigger if you if you desire to, of course, that that, that is so much larger than just like a month to month business. It becomes like a mission. It becomes a proper brand that then you can really see this roadmap to, oh, wow, in two years, in five years, I'm going to be doing those things. But in order for that five year thing to need to happen, like there's some things today that needs to happen as well. We can't keep on putting them off. And those things are boring. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. The long-term vision Versus looking month to month, because if you do look month to month, you will get discouraged, right? It, it goes up, it goes down, it goes a little bit more up, a little bit down, maybe up, 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 like, it's constantly changing. And you have to look at what you were doing that month. Like, there were months that I didn't sell anything because I didn't really need to. And I wanted to take a break because I was traveling. So it's like, naturally, my income is going to go down. If I made that mean something about me and how I run my business, I would be like, wow, I'm a shitty business owner. I didn't have a bigger month than last month. When in reality, I'm like, wait, but I'm actually doing what I wanted to always do is travel. So you need to be able to look at those things and acknowledge like, why am I doing this? What is this for? What's the vision? Like you said, getting out of the month to month and just basing all your identity in can you grow your income each month? Yeah, totally. Which is just not a sustainable way to do business or fulfilling no. for that matter. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, something that I feel that people talk about a lot is the energetics of business, right? We talk a lot, a lot about money and strategy and, you know, marketing and advertising and all the tools. And we're talking about it now, right? The back end. But there is so much energetic work that goes into your business. And I feel like that's the pivot that a lot of us are craving, right? Like we, I just told my business operations this. I was like, I get it. I see the numbers. I see the spreadsheet. I see the percentages. I need like energetic help right now. And so now I'm looking at this like energetic business operations person. So for you, can you speak a little bit to how energetics has affected your business? And like, what maybe what are some specific examples where you just knew the energy was off about something? And what was the result of that? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah, energy is the energetics of things is half of the stuff that I teach on. And I think mainly that's because I do a lot of like body based work, like shadow work, inner authority building. So I teach on feminine authority. Inner authority building is all about how you feel in your body. And everything that you feel in your body is basically energetic. You know, it's basically talking about how do you feel it to simplify it massively. And in order to really understand the energetics of something, you need to be able to tune into your own body, your own intuition to know how you feel about something. And I think that's why often it's easier to outsource it for someone that can sort of like tune into the energetics for you. But like a big part that I like to help my clients do is build their own inner authority, build their own intuition so they can personally look at their own business and be like, oh, this, this is why this doesn't feel very good. Oh, this is why this isn't aligning. So it's a big part of what I do. And it's a also because I am deeply spiritual. I'm a channel. In order to be a channel, you have to be very open, very clear, remove all of like the ego and stuff. And, you know, again, it's all the energetic sort of side of things. So some tangible examples of when energetics has really come into play. I would say one of them was I had a mastermind even at the beginning of this year called Pathway to Six. And I love that mastermind. I really do. But there was just it started feeling really heavy. And it started feeling really hard to sell. And the marketing hadn't changed, like the container hadn't changed, but like something was just feeling really off about that container. And it started affecting everything in my business. 
like everything started feeling heavy, showing up on Instagram started feeling heavy. It had nothing even really to do with the people in the container. It was just something energetic. I wasn't aligned with something in the container and I was trying to figure it out for ages. And then I eventually was just like, I can tell there is such a heaviness that is attached to this container right now. I don't know what it is. We have to, we have to stop selling it. I have to close it down. And you know, we had just set up all the systems. It had only been running for maybe like eight months and it was a rolling mastermind. So every so often, it was a really good moneymaker because people would sort of come in like pretty consistently. But something in me, it was making me exhausted. And I was like, I can't keep on doing this. And so we decided to just shut that down. And I, it was the best decision that I could have made. And it made me feel so much lighter on the other side of making that decision because I was just like, oh yeah, that was something about that was so heavy. Another tangible example is people in teams, energy but between people. Obviously we're both quite into astrology and human design. So we know a lot about like energetics between people, but people have like different dynamics. And there was someone quite early in my business that I hired and we just there was something energetic that was really off. And I am quite intuitive as well. So I was just like something feels quite heavy something ended up happening and I ended up needing to get her out of my business relatively quickly. And every, all of the energetic heaviness that I was feeling just went, it was just like gone. And I was just like, wow, that is so interesting how one person's like energy can bring down your own so much. That's why, you know, protecting your energy is so important. But those are a couple of examples. I'd love to hear some from your perspective as well. What are some energetic examples that you're experiencing or, or wanting to work on at the moment? Oh, something that I experienced in the past was just that I was teaching a lot of things that I no longer felt aligned with. And to your point, they were making great money. People really liked them. It was a lot of like mindset and spirituality work. But I was just like, I feel like I have something bigger to teach. And I really want to teach people how to podcast and storytell. But I had never talked about that in my business. So I was like, Chelsea, what are you doing? Like, you're going to literally say goodbye to thousands of dollars and then just out of nowhere, start this new thing that you really have never talked about outside of the fact that you have a podcast, but you've never talked about it. And so I remember I kept going, kept selling the mindset and spirituality stuff, like kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And then to your point, it just felt heavy and unaligned. And I was almost resenting showing up on calls. And I was like, okay, this is not a, this is not fair to your clients that are paying you the amount of money they are to be in your energy. If you're not even feeling great and be you don't really like talking about this anymore. So it's time to, to switch it up. I would say currently, I feel like I want to expand my team and I'm feeling into like what the what team members need to be either let go, what people need to come in. And there's definitely that intuitive ping of, okay, wait, this person, I probably do need to bring them in. And this person, I might need to like scale back a little bit. And there's definitely a fear of like, oh, you know, we I've had this person for so long or what does it mean that I keep switching team members, right? Those things that come mm. up that we try to make it mean about us. Yeah, 100%. And I think a really important like nuance of energetics is like everything carries an energy, like even money carries an energy. So like people carry an energy, the the thoughts and beliefs that we have around, for example, your your team and what it means, they carry an energy even just the flow of money carries an energy, how you perceive your audience carries an energy, like basically everything carries energy. And so and the energetics of something could kind of come down to anything. 
it could come down to even your relationship with money. Like it could come down to the relationship you have with looking in your bank account. Oh, what's the energetics, you know, side of this is is more really saying like, how do you feel when you're looking at it? So if someone is freaking out when they look in their bank account, the energy around the money in that particular area is off, you know? So it's like, that's sort of this, I call it inner authority is being really hyper aware of everything that is going on in our body, in our being and in our lives. And that is that kind of, energetic side of things that is it's it's intangible you know you can't really explain it but it's just a feeling it's a heaviness it's something that's in the air it's something you can sense you know and it's but everything carries it there's always like two sides to everything there's a strategic side of things and there's an energetic side and you kind of need both because one doesn't really you can push strategy as hard as you want but if something energetic is off in your body and your being just even just spiritually in the air it will affect it it will affect your business it affects everything Oh, 100%. And I think people can feel it, right? Like, we're all pretty intuitive. And you can tell when a coach is kind of checked out or just not into what they're selling anymore. And it just kind of seems like a money grab. And I think then we start to be like, wait, why am I even in this program anymore? And it just doesn't feel good for everybody. So I heard the phrase from one of my mentors called like, kill your darlings. And it's kind of like a literary term of like, kill your favorite characters. Like, sometimes you need to, you know what I mean? Like, the some programs that I had were some of my favorite characters. I'm sure the mm. the mastermind you just said at one point was your favorite character, but like sometimes it needs to die off for a new season to start. Totally. Or it needs like an energetic rebirth or something where it's like the container's still right, but the energy feels heavy or dead. And it's like, sometimes there's no amount of like positive affirmations that you can do to get that back on track. Sometimes it just needs to die so it can be reborn. Even if it's the same name, it may be different designs. It may be different Instagram slides, a different website, like so many things can inject like fresh energy into stuff. And that's one of the things that I like to do with my programs is like, if they ever start to feel heavy, it's usually because I have to redo something, go to redo the design, or I've got to insert some fresh energy somewhere so that then I feel aligned with it again. Because that that can happen quite frequently for me. Oh my gosh, 100% happens. I'm already ready to change the podcast cover art. And I had just launched it earlier (laughs) this year. And I'm like, it's time for a new one. (laughs) My designer's like, what? Yeah, but that's it's so true. Like I had this huge block last year around signing higher ticket clients because my website, I DIY'd it and I thought it sucked. I, I literally was like making my own colors and random things that I was like, this looks like a seventh grader was assigned like website homework and made their own website. And I'm like, I cannot be driving people to pay premium prices with it looking like this. But at the time, because of all the travel I was doing, I was like, oh, I don't actually have like the liquid cash to invest in a like high-end designer and brand strategist. And then one day I was like, but this is your block. And even my therapist, shout out back to therapy, she was like, consider that your storefront, right? Like your website is your storefront. So if you're having this store that, you know, the lights are off and the sign is broken and things aren't working and there's no customer service, it's like, who would want to go in that store? And I'm like, you're right. And I found the money in terms of like, I basically just used half my cash and a credit card. And as soon as that website was live, I signed basically more in two months of my previous annual revenue. So I basically made all my annual revenue within two months because of that shift. And I think that's a a very inner authority example of like, finally listening to my body and my mind and being like, you need to change this. And boom, it was like, it cleared that channel for the money to come through. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And what's really interesting as well. And this is like the nuance of inner authority because we all have our own inner authority is like that 
switch and that energetic shift was based on your belief system. So like you had like a deep belief, which was like, I need things to look a certain way in order to sell high end. And so when it shifted for you, your reality shifted too. If someone else has like a different belief system, you know, it could be that they have like a completely different experience. And this is where, you know, I call it like the web of wealth sometimes because it's like we have every it's like a web, you know, it's like so many areas that we each have completely different understandings and, and belief systems around that if we if I make one small shift for me would radically change things for me. But if you made the same shift may do absolutely nothing for you, you know, and it's like it's about finding this is why sometimes mentorship, just mentorship, which isn't coaching can be difficult because you're just hearing what one person does and there isn't just one way of doing business you know there's there's right ways for you to do business and it's about finding out what you need to do to get out of your own way to make that energetic shift in alignment so with that exact example that that was like the most perfect thing that you could have done for you but for someone else probably wouldn't have even made the difference and that's like the nuance here is like for anyone listening please know that there is no such thing as one way of doing business and one way of doing stuff and just you know that's why the intuition part is so important of that energetics is finding what is right for you as opposed to just outsourcing your power outsourcing your magnetism to someone else and being like you make the decision for me instead of how can I make this decision for me right a hundred percent well that's actually a question I have is for anyone listening that's like I'm I want to build this inner authority what is one tangible tip you have for them to work on that oh inner authority is such a big topic okay do you mind if I talk a little bit about feminine authority and then go back into that? Oh my gosh, not at all. Please go. Go off. Okay, go off. Here we go. <laughs> Wind me up. <laughs> so feminine authority is basically something that is a concept that I am frequently teaching on at the moment. It's a new concept and it's essentially just a more feminine way of authority building because authority typically is quite masculine. It seems as very dominant. It kind of comes from sometimes quite a, a toxic masculine kind of culture, but authority like in itself is actually quite a spiritual term you know in human design we have our our authority which is our decision maker you know we have in spiritual ways like authority is your intuition for some instances and so the kind of word has been like mis misshaped and it's kind of means something else and so a lot of women are trying to step into their authority in a very masculine way and even men as well and so feminine authority is kind of the reclamation of a more feminine way of building authority that gives us permission to be human beings ourselves. Because a lot of the time when you think of authority, you think of like, well, I've got to be in a suit. I've got to be a bitch. I've got to turn into this person. I can't show weakness. I can't be emotional. I can't be this, you know, the the comments that I would get in corporate for like being a woman, you know, were sometimes horrendous. And, and that is just like a, a stemming of like a very toxic masculine way of viewing authority okay when you go up the ladder you become more and more of a hard nut but we're seeing more and more of this more conscious leadership coming through and I think the same comes with like authority authority is no longer about showing dominance and showing that we are strong all the time it's more about being fully conscious of everything that's going on in your mind and building a mission-driven business or building something mission-driven in a more feminine way that gives you permission to be a human being so a big pillar of like feminine authority is polarity. And so we have, you know, on any one day, we may experience an up and a down, you know, in any one minute, we may experience an up and a down. During this podcast episode, we're having incredible conversation, and then we're experiencing technical difficulties, you know, there's always an up and a down. So feminine authority is about being able to manage and balance 
the duality of being a business owner, of being an authority whilst also being a human being. And so often on my stories, I will share something vulnerable and then I will pivot and I'll be like, and anyway, now we're going to go into a sale and I sell something from the more like masculine side of things. So I get to have both. One doesn't take away from my authority. And the big part that I see, you know, when people are fully sort of, there are three different archetypes of authority that come before feminine authority. There's low authority, there's borrowed authority, and there is toxic authority. And toxic authority is more of that sort of masculine side where people are creating from their ego a lot, that often can't take feedback, will often pedestal themselves, really are projecting onto either audience or clients, get really triggered quite often but really struggle to go through those triggers with any neutrality. And ultimately, these people can end up getting a lot of authority. They're thought leaders, but they often aren't fully, they can end up harming some people along the way. And often they don't have the most sustainable businesses because maybe the client results aren't as good as others because they care more about scaling versus over service, for example. Borrowed authority is typically then people that are more in that people pleaser area. So they are borrowing other people's authorities, sometimes more often than not, the toxic authorities, and they are just regurgitating things over and over again. So they lack thought leadership, but they often can, like, they just, they want it to work so much, but they're prepared to sort of like copy and borrow other people's authority without it fully sinking into themselves. And the low authority is where that sort of perfectionism lives. So people often just aren't taking any aligned action and they, their authority and their thought leadership just isn't being seen by the world at all. So they have really low thought leadership. All of those three basically need to move up to feminine authority. And the way that you do that is basically by becoming more conscious and creating more of like a mission behind your business. And consciousness, I believe, is very important for the world, but also business because it allows you to be a better team member. It allows you to be a better coach or service provider. It allows you to be a more grounded, neutral, just human being overall. And so what we're trying to do is basically extract all of the moments which make us feel triggered and make us feel like we can't handle moments. So a really great tangible example here is what happens when you're experiencing like you're in a launch and you're experiencing the ups and the downs of launches. Feminine authority is about being able to continue through that launch without projecting at anyone, without blaming at anyone, and also without stopping the launch. You know, you navigate through that difficulty, the things that are coming up without making it mean something about you and without letting it affect the business. So you're showing up in the feminine authority way where you're, you're just observing. You're observing everything that is going on in your body. You're observing everything that is going on in your mind and you aren't engaging with it. You are allowing yourself to just be like, oh, that's so interesting. I have another trigger there. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm feeling sadness here. What's that about? Instead of allowing it to define your experience and your life, because when we define ourselves by that, it often creates mindset spins and can often really negatively affect the business in a number of ways. And so then coming back to your question around inner authority, how do we really start to build this? So there are kind of three steps that go into building inner authority. But the thing that just needs to be understood is like we have inner authority in every single area of our life at any one moment. So for example, my relationship with you and being interviewed as someone who is, you know, the the interviewee, I have an inner authority around that exact energetic dynamic then me interviewing you I then have inner authority around that exact energetic dynamic same goes for if my 
and inner authority with my clients and coaching them is then also very different to how I am with my family in a certain dynamic. You know, so we have inner authority in all of these different areas. And so it's not just like, okay, how do we build inner authority? And then we've built it. It's like, no, it's, it's really nuanced and becoming conscious and becoming, you know, building that inner authority, becoming the feminine authority is about dedicating yourself to being really curious about everything that comes up at every point in time. And so the three stages that you could typically go through are, first of all, most people are in what I call like the healing stage. This is sort of like your phase one. This also kind of maps like a spiritual journey as well, which is quite interesting. But your phase one is like you're the healer. And so often this is where people come out of childhood. They've maybe like they're under still like the the strings and the streams of like their parents and what their parents are telling them that they should be doing and all the rules and restrictions and stuff. And often if people stay there, they can become really, really triggered in a particular area around certain things. And so people can kind of walk through life quite unconscious. Then in order to move to the next stage, the next stage is basically about reclaiming personal power. And so we kind of move out of like the the healer or the victim and we move into reclaiming our personal um, power in that situation. So we find our voice, we find our inner calling. So a lot of coaching does this, right? We're moving ourselves out of the people pleaser or moving ourselves into, I have power in this. I believe in myself. And we're reclaiming that in a certain area. And then the last part of this is then forgetting the power because often what can happen is people then get stuck in the power and they like want to prove the power. I'm powerful. I'm this. I have the power. I want to prove to all of you that I'm powerful. You know, kind of Donald Trumpish vibes, you know, very much stuck in that power grabby sort of, I want to prove it. But then the third step is neutrality. And so neutrality is a really, really big part of feminine authority It's like we want to embody our power we want to embody everything that we are and all the learnings that we have and then we want to forget it so then we can be in a situation we don't feel like we need to prove we don't feel like we need to project we don't feel like we need to be anything but ourselves and we are able to just relax into that state and that then allows us to have really neutral conversations in many dynamics so me and my parents it's been a long journey of me finding neutrality and there are still certain conversations where I may dip back into the victim place or I may dip back into the healer and then I may dip back into needing to prove myself and then I catch myself and I'm like oh that's so interesting what what in me right now is making me feel like I need to prove myself so this is kind of like the process that we go through and it's a kind of a continuous process of like looking at ourselves and so I wonder whether an easy way of doing this Chelsea may be actually to look at maybe something that has been coming up for you and then we can try to like d- define like which area are you at in in those areas would that be something you'd be open to oh yes 100 percent. okay epic so first of all talk to me about something that you feel like you're very neutral on that just doesn't bother you at all doesn't bother me at all in terms of like my business or just in general in general it can be anything i would say it doesn't bother me at all is oh my gosh i'm trying to think can you maybe give examples so like podcasting could be one so for example when you do a podcast and you're interviewing someone i imagine that you're relatively neutral yes that's a great example podcasting and interviewing yeah so like there's no when you're neutral is because you've got no you don't feel like you need to prove yourself right you're just sort of you just feel confident on a call you're like yeah I'm gonna show up I'm gonna be myself I don't need to prove anything and so that's what creates the neutrality for you is that correct yes I definitely agree yeah so if someone then was being interviewed or was interviewing and they didn't have that neutrality it may come across as like I need to prove myself like 
interjecting all the time, making the podcast about them instead of it being about the interview interviewee. And so like there's lots of little dynamics would, would flag then, okay, there's actually something to prove here when someone's interviewing. So that would say to me, okay, that they're, they're maybe stuck in their personal power a little bit here. Or someone that is really, really nervous, has to like over-prepare, would potentially then be in like the the healer place. So they have things to heal in order for them to feel powerful being on like a call so just on that and I imagine Chelsea you've probably gone through those stages yourself where when you started this podcast it was like nerve-wracking and then you kind of got to a stage where you were like okay this is kind of feeling easier but maybe it kind of you were finding your way of interviewing and now you're at a place where you've been doing it for so long that you've got neutrality in the situation Yes, 100%. I used to pedestalize people and be like, they're so much bigger than me and they're going to think I'm an idiot. And now I'm like, I feel equal to everyone that comes on this podcast. Exactly, exactly. So that's neutrality in that situation. So could you now give me, if you don't mind sharing, an example of something that maybe you're struggling with at the moment? Something I'm struggling with right now is writing a book or a publication about more of my like personal travels. And so what about that situation feels difficult for you a is that i've never done it before so whenever i've written something it's always for an email list so it's always very like focused on what i'm selling or marketing and so this book that i want to write is very much based on travel stories and not all of them are going to make me look good right there's Mm. travel stories about things i've made mistakes on there's people i've engaged with that i shouldn't have engaged with it's kind of like letting go of that good girl persona that i've had for so long like i identify so much with being a straight a student and overachiever graduated with honors you know like getting so much recognition for my academic and like career achievements that this book is nothing like that it's again it actually like doesn't it won't paint me in the best light and I'm struggling with that a lot yeah thank you so much for sharing that by the way and so in that particular instance like your inner authority on that one topic is probably more in like the healer area where you've got stuff to heal Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's actually stopping you from moving forward because it sounds like there's a fear of what are people going to think of me of not being seen as the authority of oversharing of doing something new and so these are then all the three areas and the dynamics for inner authority on that particular area that then you need to look at and be like these things are actually stopping me from moving forward so the next thing for you would be okay I need to reclaim personal power in this so it would be analyzing okay so I can see that my fears that are stopping me from moving forward are these fears so how can I either reframe them Or do I need to do some deeper healing on some or all of them in order for me to feel comfortable moving forward? So, for example, what do you think is probably the biggest block right now out of the ones that you listed for that particular topic? Probably the sexual stories, like, you know, the after dark triple X, like what happened at the club past midnight type of stories. Yeah, got you, got you. And so the invitation there would be like, okay, with that particular story, asking yourself, like, where did I learn something bad would happen if I shared this kind of story? And finding like the the moment or the inner inner child part of you that is being activated when you think about sharing the story. Because it's not you that's scared right now. It's your inner child. It's a part of you that's scared. And so what we need to do with these little nuances is basically find the part of us that's being triggered and give her reassurance. It's okay. I've got your back. I've got you. And and so that's sort of the the process that I would take people through, like and I take people through in my programs is 
finding these little nuances, building the awareness, so becoming aware and then becoming really conscious. And, you know, the, the next step for you as well, we're just being really, really going into the observer mode and being so curious. Oh, it's so interesting. When I sit down right now, I get really scared and it's happening in my stomach and just being so curious and creating a little bit of separation from identifying with the feeling. So then you can watch the feeling and then go into healing the feeling. Ooh, you're good, Haley. I have been picking notes. I'm like, doo, 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 doo. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Now I'm like, <laughs> might need to hire Haley right after this call. <laughs> no, it's so true because that's exactly what it is, right? Like, I think the stories are gonna help a lot of people. I think some of them are funny. And if anything, what I've learned about writers is like the darkest parts of us that we share, those are the things we relate to. That's the problem we've always had with Instagram, is like we're done with the pretty buttoned up sophisticated sharing all the time. Like, I want to know what's behind the scenes. What are you really going through? And so I always have to remind myself when I'm writing, like, this is going to be the thing that people wish other people would talk about. So you kind of have to take the torch and take the first step forward in my community or like my corner of the internet. But yeah, it's a lot of the work that you're talking about. I need to work through that before I keep writing or else it's never going to get published. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think as well, like the dialogue that we all have around, you know, we need to be like professional is, is such like that toxic authority cycle that I was talking about. And like the world is craving more feminine authorities that are just speaking like candidly and honestly about like the real shit, not oversharing, you know, if it's not aligned for you, but like sharing what's on your heart, you know? And I think this is the more conscious element that we're moving into especially as business owners right now like people want to fucking hear that stuff I so agree that people want to hear the real you that's how we build connection that's how we build a brand a hundred percent and I think if we all go back to like who we've ever invested in or been really a loyal follower of it's because we know those darker sides like there's someone I'm upset I literally am going to a Greece retreat that's for writing by an author that wrote an entire memoir about her drug addiction and mm. it's part funny and it's part like she screwed a lot of people over she messed up a lot of career opportunities she hurt a lot of people but that made her so human to me that now probably five years later after I read that book I'm going to meet her on a retreat like that shows you the power of stories and like sharing who you really are oh my god I love that and I I completely get it and it's it's the same for me like a lot of people have hired me because I've shared about drug addiction and alcohol addiction and you know these things that people just find resonance it, it like gives people permission and I've hired people myself out of the same reason because I'm just like wow you you just get me on this completely different level that other people just could never get me on so I I just yeah I love that oh my gosh well that was genius thank you so much for sharing I feel like we could talk about this for 10 more hours, but I want to give people maybe three of your favorite takeaways, tips, pieces of advice for either building that inner authority or just running or not running, identifying their feminine authority. Like how can they acknowledge it and become more in tune with it? We'll also know that feminine authority is the outer authority as well. So we're talking about all this stuff, but it doesn't just mean that you get sucked into a hole of like healing. It's like we do this so that then we can 
supercharge our inner authority to put into our outer authority. Your outer authority, your brand, your marketing, it comes becomes 10 times more potent when you believe in yourself, when you have this inner power that you don't need to prove in all areas of your, your life. You have complete neutrality. There is nothing more powerful that comes through energetically than that feeling. And so this is why we're doing it because I teach a lot of like marketing, of brand as well, but it's like ultimately it's the duality of both of these things that build your business forward. But in terms of like the three things to sort of take away is like number 1, if you've ever felt yourself circling around the same problem over and over again that you can't move through is probably an inner authority problem and not a strategy problem and there is nothing to be like the great thing is that that can be changed you know that can be shifted because neuroplasticity we can change the way that we see the world so I would honestly look at like your inner authority on that particular area like what are the thoughts and the beliefs that you have on that particular area because it will affect your outer authority that's like number one thing. Was the question like ways that they can move into it? Yeah. Like when you say listen to your body, you know, I think some people don't even really know what that means or how to do it. So is mm. it like a, a self-care practice, a meditation, a journal prompt? Yeah, kind of all of them. <laughs> so I, I will say the somatic part of this, listening to your body. That was something I really had to build because I actually had, had a real big fear of being in my body and that came from trauma. But the, the easiest way that you can start getting into your body is by just building your intuition. So intuition is basically connection to your body. And so just getting, you know, doing a little meditation and getting really quiet and asking yourself yes or no questions and just listening to your body, like listening or feeling or however you engage with your body the best. But what is your body trying to tell you? You know, if you ask yourself, should I go out for lunch today? A simple question like that with no expectation or pressure and just get completely silent, remove all of the thoughts from your mind and allow yourself to just come into the body, just sink, allow yourself to sort of ground into the floor below you and just hear what your body is saying. Does it feel like a yes? Does it feel like a no? If you struggle with that, you can actually ask your body, hey body, show me a yes. Hey body, show me a no. And you've got to be silent, really silent to hear. So it may be like a slight tingle in your left finger, maybe a slight buzzing in your right shoulder. It may be a heaviness. It may be all the energy moving over to one side of your body. It may be all the energy moving over to the other side of your body. So that's kind of like a, a that was one of the first things that I started doing to be able to hear my own body. I love that. I think asking your body is something probably so underrated, but so simple that a lot of us have never even tried that could probably be life-changing. 100%. 100%. And if anyone is spiritual or wants to develop the spirituality, your spiritual connection starts in your body, not in your mind. Oh my God, totally agree. Yeah, it was a mind blown moment for me when I figured that one out. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, let me just journal my way to healing and say affirmations and until I actually found all the little pockets of grief and trauma that were just stored in my body through breath work and moving and dancing. I was like, wow, you are just getting started on this body healing journey. And it's been a beautiful and wild ride. But I truly think without somatics and understanding your body, it's going to be really hard to ever move forward with anything that you want to get in your life. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such an incredible conversation. I literally have notes for myself. I took notes everywhere. I'm sharing them with my listeners in the show notes. And obviously everyone 
I hope you have your notebook out and you took notes as well because you dropped so much knowledge and we appreciate it so much. I know you are talking a lot about feminine authority and I imagine there are going to be so many people that want to work with you. So can you share a little bit about what you have coming up and how people can work with you? Yes, I absolutely can. First of all, thank you so much for this conversation. It's such like a full circle moment to have be on your podcast. It's so freaking cool. I'm so excited by it. it. You're just such a good host. So thank you so much for inviting me on. So we have, um, you can find me over on Instagram at Haley June Lloyd. I talk a lot about all of my offers on my stories and I have a link in my bio that sort of outlines the upcoming programs that we have. But the main one specifically to go into everything that we've been talking about today is the large membership that I have, which is called the House of Real Authority. May change the name to the House of Feminine Authority, just FYI, <laughs> if that has changed by the time this is out. And that really encapsulates all of my programs, uh, which go into both in authority, money, manifestation, and reprogramming yourself and your relationship with money and the world around you. And then also the outer authority. So one of my signature programs, Content to Cash, is included in there. Programs that sell brand authority. It's a real balance of both sides of authority and building your authority as a whole to become feminine authorities. And that's actually um, becoming more of a mastermind in that you're going to get actually monthly coaching calls as well on that. So that's a really great place if you you want to just come into everything and have the coaching support and really build your own feminine authority. That's like the the full Monty to come into. So that's probably the first thing. But if you're just looking to build your inner authority, I have a program that's going to be coming out at the back end of the year, which you can currently get in pre-sale. And it's called Just Feminine Authority. And the whole premise that's going to be run over six months is to build your inner authority so that you can manifest and develop your relationship with money. So there's going to be hypnosis in there. We're going to be doing proper reprogramming. So my spiritual team often comes in and helps me with creating these meditations and these reprograms. And so those that's going to be a pillar of it. And then there's going to be modules dropped as well on different areas that aren't necessarily all to do with money, but affect money because the attraction portion of money is basically has nothing to do with money. It's all about how you view the world around you. So we're going to be spending a lot of time in there and just really becoming more conscious in in the way that you go through the world, become a more conscious coach or service provider or CEO, team member, um, client as well. So if you want to just build that inner authority, I would massively recommend coming into that program. Oh, incredible. And what about your podcast? Oh my God, of course. I always forget about this. <laughs> I have a podcast, guys. <laughs> which Chelsea's going to be on too. Um, so it's called, it's called The Haley Lloyd Show. And yeah, you can find it on Apple, Spotify. It is linked in the link in my bio as well. And I talk about all of this kind of stuff. There is one episode that's dropped a week. And yeah, it is the place to really get to know me on a deep level. I cry on there. I share on there. Is it oversharing? No, it's never oversharing. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Podcasting is like, I always tell everyone is therapeutic. It's like catharsis. It's verbal processing. So you might learn or yeah, you might hear us cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You may educate yourself or you may come on a dark night of the soul with us. <laughs> and you never know. Just tune in every week and you'll see what ride you're going to go on. Well, thank you so much, Haley. This was such an incredible conversation. I cannot wait for everyone to hear it. And you are just such a wealth of knowledge. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a good time. Thank you. Oh. I am so happy Haley came on to demystify the word authority for us and really reframe it and give us new meaning. I know 
now what feminine authority is and how to build on my inner and outer authority. And Haley's guidance really helped me. I mean, I seriously have notes and I'm going to listen to this again because it's something I need to work on because I can feel that plateau happening in business. So if you're feeling stuck, it might not be strategy, right? You might not need to build another funnel or another email marketing campaign. It could be something off in your energy and your inner world, right? Your inner authority that's throwing things off. So whether that's inner or outer, that's up to you to decide. And that's what Haley is here to help you with. So be sure to go check out the show notes to learn all about the ways you can work with her. And if you want help with podcasting, which is really my outer authority, if you want to launch a podcast, then definitely Mic Drop is the place to start. Mic Drop takes you through everything from naming your podcast, cover art design, planning episodes, recording and editing tips, publishing, marketing, promotion. It has every single thing you need to launch a podcast. So be sure to head to my show notes and check out my website, see all the ways we can work together. And you know what I'm going to ask you to do last. Rate, review, subscribe, go share the show on Instagram stories, tag Haley and I, share it in the group text, share it in your work Slack channel, send an email marketing newsletter with this at the bottom, and as always, leave a written review. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, go to my podcast and scroll down to where it says write a review, leave your review and then screenshot it before you submit because Apple's a bit weird and then send it to info at chelsearife.com or DM me at chelsearife on Instagram. I will pull two winners at the end of the month to win that masterclass. All right, everybody. I'm Chelsea Rife. This is In My Non-Expert Opinion and I will see you next week.